This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And a very happy new year to the VREV community. We are back after two weeks hiatus here. Two weeks hiatus. The it's longest it, we've ever taken off of that this is. podcast. It's good, to be, it's good to be back with the cans on. I feel uh, very refreshed. Uh, I don't know if cans is an industry talk or term. <laughs> we've talked uh, about this before, but it yeah. is good to have the... The, the headset, the headset back on is how I think most people refer to them. But uh, yeah, it's good to be back. And who better to start the new year, to ring the new year in, than Brendan Ogmanson? He is the chief economist for BCREA. Uh, this is obviously the, the British Columbia Real Estate Association. Brendan does not disappoint. He's not afraid to put his neck out there. And he forecasts the market for 2021 it is exciting. And stay tuned because this is – he it, the the logic and reasoning, you know, I feel like he's very good at simplifying things and, and it's very compelling. Uh, and I know you – I told you. You got a rate hold. I got I, I got off this call with Brendan. I had been thinking about buying something, a revenue property. Uh, I got off the call with Brendan. I immediately called my broker and I got a rate hold, got on my documents. Uh, I, I'm feeling – very similar to how to Brendan is feeling You're, about the Yeah, I think right we're now. both feeling very bullish uh, about the market for 2021. Right. That is for sure. Uh, 
surprising fact is we've been doing this almost five years and Brendan has not been on the show. I know. Uh, I feel like immediately after I was like, man, this is – if he has the time for us, this is a reoccurring guest. Yeah. No, we'd love to have he's, Brendan He's soon back. to be a past guest fan favorite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, no, it was a fantastic conversation. So look forward to that. We also have the stats that we're going to jump into in a minute. But before we get to that, Matt, we've talked about the problem with rats – in East Vancouver, and I mean tattletales. Um, no, I mean I mean there's an infestation of rats in East Vancouver. I used to blame uh, the composters and the granola crunchers uh, for, for for their gardens and everything else, but now I think more than ever. It's it's obviously because we we live on in a formerly a swamp. Well, we, that's right. Area. Yeah, I think I think that uh, after our peat bog episode, go back if you didn't listen to that one. That was yeah. a, that was a great episode. Uh, but yeah, there's 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 multiple reasons why there's a rodent uh, issues in East Vancouver. Sure. But uh, I think I have one for the ages here. Well, well, hang on though, because just before we get to that, here's an interesting stat: East Vancouver <laughs> that has <you> made up <laughs> more rats. Per capita than New York City. If anyone can find the source that I read that, because I actually, I remember reading Oh, you actually read it. I thought that was kind of like one of those, like, there's more suicides in SFU than anywhere else. And you're like, is that actually the case? That might be true, though. Well, Well, I know. It's pretty, I was up there yesterday. If anyone knows, if anyone knows about those two things that we're, we're saying are true, uh, feel free to send us articles. We might even be able to find the Vancouverism book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think we're all out of those. Uh, but honestly, if, if, if you do know, that's, I, I think there's more rats per capita here than, than New York City. Well, that's interesting because I, I have a story for you. It's the first week back. Right. Uh, I feel like I was in the, – the holiday was very refreshing in some ways, but it kind of felt like Groundhog Day in a lot of ways, right? You just – same yeah. thing over and over. You can't really leave your house and uh, especially with a nine-year-old. But the transition back this week to to kind of regular life, has, has, has it's been a little bit stressful and the market's very busy immediately off the bat. So it's kind of uh, moving from, uh, from a standstill to a sprint. Yeah. Jump in my car this morning, racing to an appointment downtown. New car. New car. Uh, yeah. Less than 4,000 kilometers. That's how new this car is. Okay. Right. The reason I bought this car was I was thinking I'm sick of you know I don't want issues. I, yeah. This is one thing part of my life I don't want to have to think about. I want a car that is just nice and comfortable. Set it, forget it. Uh, immediately smoke starts billowing out, out, out of the, the, out, of the out of the hood, right? And I'm like, and I'm on the phone as this is happening, so I'm kind of like, what, what, you know, trying to continue this call. What's going on? This brand new car. Then a uh, light service light comes on and says. You're running low on coolant, shut off engine immediately. I've never put coolant in a car of mine and I've driven cars for, you know, like a decade. I re- a decade? I, I can't remember ever putting – I think putting... you're forgetting how old you are here. A decade? Oh, like a no. decade. Oh, the car for I, a decade. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were thinking you were like 26. <laughs> for a decade. I just got my, I got my just license got the at end off 35. The back of <laughs> no, I've, I've had the same I've, – I've, I've had lots of cars – very seldom do I have I put coolant in. So right. at four months, this is a bit odd. Right. No, this is it's very strange. And also, like I know if you if it says you don't have any oil, that's you shut off the sure. car, right? Because you sure. can ruin the engine. I didn't know you're supposed to shut off the car immediately without uh, coolant. But anyway, uh, I shut off the car. I'm two blocks from my house. Right. Uh, late for an appointment already, 
And uh, I call roadside assistance, which was kind of a disaster. But they, they bring it in. I talk to the dealership. They're very apologetic. It's all covered. Don't worry. We're going to have a rental car for you. It's like, and this is the best. I love having a new car, you know, for these reasons. Right. Ten minutes later, they call me back. They're like, scratch that. We're not having a rental car <laughs> right. for you. Uh, and, in fact, you're going to have to call ICBC. 3,000 kilometers on this car. You're going to have to call ICBC and make a claim. She texts me a photo. There's a rat's nest in my motor. Like in the under the hood. Like under the hood. And it's and, it's- and, and apparently what rats do is they nest under your hood and I guess they eat through everything. Like it's like this is a, a like an absolute disaster for my for my car. So anyway, so, I Uber so to what, the office. What happens now? You make a claim and they they do that. They repair your motor. Apparently, apparently, but it's just uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Apparently, this is quite common. But, uh, but it's the rats the first... have already picked your your, your car. Like I mean, now you're going to get it repaired. How can I give this back? How can I give this back? Well, I'm actually I'm worried though when you when you get it repaired and then you drive and you park it. Presumably in front of your house, the rats have not left. The, no, like they're they just. You and know. if they're willing to to make set up shop there, like what does my attic look like? Well, yeah, that's that's the better question. Let's talk about the stats before we get to our conversation with Brendan. So first of all, December was just a, a super busy end of the year. Um, perhaps not surprising. We we had said in November, I don't think we're going to slow down over the holidays. Um, we definitely saw some people check out of the market. But overall, what a busy market. Downtown rebounded substantially. I think that's going to be the big story, the story of 2021 is that downtown is back. Uh, 27% sales ratio overall in downtown. Tons of activity. If you look at between... Five hundred and six hundred thousand dollars in downtown right now. It's a seventy-three percent sales ratio. That basically means that one, or sorry, three out of four homes on the market are selling, and also six hundred to seven hundred thousand. It's a fifty percent sales ratio. So one out of every two homes selling. And if you're looking uh, downtown, you know downtown is always, and we've talked about it a lot last year. You know the investors kind of left the market. If you're looking for what does a bottom and and kind of the move towards uh, positive growth look like again? Uh, this is where the investors play. Right. The 500 to 700, that's studios, studios and one bedrooms. Uh, I would say that December was spurred on by a lot of investors getting back into the market. I would say downtown has turned the corner and uh, and we're looking at a busy 2021 there. Right. And I won't mention the building by name, but uh, something, a, a building where a lot of stuff has been sitting recently, unit came on the market, not not super well priced, but I would say kind of market priced, five offers, uh, very surprising, uh, very surprising result on that one, all things considered. And, uh, you know, so really a lot of activity is coming back. I think a lot of investors are coming back into that market. Perhaps not surprising for a lot of people. Detached detached houses on the west side, a 22% sales ratio, aggressive seller's market right up to $3 million, and an active market up to $4.5 million. Lots of people getting into the detached market on the west side. Uh, detached on the east side continues to be 
an unbelievably hot market. Yeah, it's been on a run for a while. Uh, yeah, it's uh, basically a 43% sales ratio. So almost one out of two of every home on the market is is uh, selling. Up to 2.5 is red hot in that market. So if you're a seller and you got something uh, under 2.5, um, you know, good news for you. If you're a buyer, that's going to be a very competitive market to be in. Eastside condos up uh, to 1.5 million is an aggressive seller's market. 45% sales ratio for Eastside condos and townhomes, um, which is really, really active. On the West side, it's a 33% sales ratio. Um, and again, up to $1.5 million. Uh, Kits and Fairview are the clear winners. Red hot markets and kits in Fairview. Right. You know, I, I would say uh, a, a lot of December was kind of more of the same. We had a very busy year uh, and a surprisingly busy year compared to there was 22% more sales uh, over 2019 and right. 26% more sales over 2018. So 2020 is uh, is definitely a, a bounce back from that kind of minor downturn that we saw starting kind of mid-2018. Um, and I guess the real question is, what's 2021 have in store? And uh, Brendan Augmentson is here to talk more about that. We basically, we, this was before the new year, and we just peppered him with what happens next? What happens next? What happens next? Which markets are you excited about? What happens here? What happens there? This is a great, great episode. If you are looking at real estate or if you own property throughout the province, this is one just, just for in terms of, of predictions and forecasts, you do not want to miss this episode. Absolutely. But before we get to that talk with Brendan Augmentson, Adam, we are sponsored this week as we were last week by Oakland Realty. What a great brokerage. This is our brokerage, uh, fast, fast growing brokerage here in Vancouver. And there's a reason why. The resources, the culture, the people, great place to be. In, if you're a new agent, an aspiring agent, or somebody just looking to make a change, a lot of people are making the change to Oakland, but head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. I think we're, this, this potentially is going to change. Right, right. <laughs> the, the, but right now it's still oakland.com slash join VRP 2020. You get a huge surprise. I don't think it's a Christmas gift anymore. Right. Uh, but it's uh, it's something very special. So you'll want to talk with Michael and Morgan and the gang. And Matt, finally, before we get to our conversation with Brendan, it is the new year. If you are thinking of selling this year, we have the Sellers Club. And my understanding is that there is a new resource going out this week called So Your House Hasn't Sold Guide. This and is right. This There's is a penned by you specifically, Matt. That is right. Penned by me, a labor of love over the holidays. So your house hasn't sold. This is on top of the sold plan and all the other excellent resources we have. If you're thinking of selling in 2020, the Sellers Club is definitely for you. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com and sign up. Yeah, there. you just send an email, uh, Sellers Club, to info at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I understand you pen this in Dickens English. I, you know, it was, it was right after I finished the Christmas Carol. It was so, eh? yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of twas. <laughs> twas your house on the market? Uh, too long? Uh, <laughs> Not a creature was stirring. Like, yeah, exactly. Anyways, without further ado, Brendan Augmentson. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right. So we're here with Brendan Augmentson, Chief Economist at the British Columbia Real Estate Association, or BCREA. How are you doing, Brendan? I'm doing great. Good to be here. 
Yeah, thanks so much, Brendan, for taking the time. Uh, it's uh, great to have you on the show. Can you maybe start, Brendan, by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and, uh, of course, about BCREA as well? Sure. So I'm the chief economist at BCREA. I've been at BCREA since 2010. We have a, a small economics department uh, of two people, and we, you know, we publish forecasts and, and a number of other things, uh, kind of one-off research pieces as well. And um, yeah, that's basically anything to do with the housing market across BC and anything to do with the economy of BC, uh, we, uh, we cover. And you, uh, and you're an economist, uh, by trade. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I went to grad school at Simon Fraser, uh, university graduated in 2006, did some economic consulting at PricewaterhouseCoopers for a few years and then, and then joined, uh, BCRA in 2010. Were, were you always interested in real estate? I think so. I mean, if you, if you kind of grew up as an economist, um, in that period. So I was in grad school in the, in the aughts, I guess. Uh, and then we had the financial crisis, 2000, 2008, all of that, you know, if you're a kind of a macro economist at that time, you're going to get pretty interested in, in housing right. uh, because that was kind of everything. So that's really was my introduction to, uh, to real estate and, and market analysis was just that really kind of frightening, panic-inducing, sort of, you know, stomach-churning time of the financial crisis, if, uh, if you guys remember. Right. You know, I don't know if you were, were you, were you guys working as realtors at that time? Yeah, I, I was coming on just at the tail end of it, like 20, well, yeah. t- 2010. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the second second half of 20, 2009 would have been a pretty good time since the market rebounded so strong. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, those were pretty, pretty formative years for, for me as an economist, and I've kind of, you know, built on that. Right, right. Um, so maybe we'll start as a kind of a launching point here, Brendan. We, for the last decade, uh, every single day I've been asked this question, how's the market? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We get that every once in a while, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I would say, you know, this, this year has been so unusual and I guess unprecedented is, is the, the word of the year, um, you know, going into into this year, we thought it was going to be a pretty boring 2020. Like we we're kind of our, our outlook from, from from January was looking like, well, things would be pretty normal after kind of a week, 2018, 2019. Um, hasn't been boring at, at all, uh, and it's it's been really unusual in that you know, it's normal if you told someone we were going to have um, a, a historically large contraction in, in the Canadian economy. Uh, if we're going to have double-digit unemployment and a global pandemic, uh, my forecast would not be that we are on pace to uh, to have sales, you know, up up twenty percent or whatever they're going to be this year. So, right. <laughs> um, the, the market's doing shockingly, shockingly well. What What do you attribute uh, that to? Yeah. So we wrote a. I mean, we, in in April we put out a piece, sort of sketching out what we thought was going to happen due to the pandemic, and it was a pretty normal looking forecast, you know, not quite the dire uh, CMHC forecast, but, you know, we were, we're kind of expecting uh, a pretty weak, you know, a drop in sales. And then generally we'd get back um, to, to our kind of pre-pandemic baseline in about, about a year. Like the way normal things go in a recession is you get a big drop. The second year after a recession usually is really strong. Uh, sales growth, that's more or less what we were expecting. You know, if you're going to have double-digit unemployment, you tend to get a big demand, a negative demand shock. And then supply starts to really accumulate. That happened in, in 2008, 2009. That's what all, all of our models kind of tell you what's going to happen too. 
Uh, instead, we got a negative, negative supply shock. We're in a pandemic. People don't want to necessarily show their homes. They have strangers coming through their house and touching their stuff. Uh, and so we got we had actually listings decline and sales rebounded really sharply. I think that the sales rebound part uh, has about you know three explanations. Um, you know, the, the first kind of like what's driving the outsized um, sales volumes right now is really pent up demand. We didn't have a spring season essentially, uh, and all that demand has been pushed into the summer and the fall. But also uh, the policy response from from uh, from the from the Bank of Canada and from the government has been kind of overwhelming, uh, and it was really fast. And they they really learned a lot of lessons from the the financial crisis. So we got quantitative easing really fast. We got rates going to effective lower bound really fast. Everything sort of overwhelming force thrown at credit markets to make sure we didn't get a repeat of the financial crisis. Uh, if you remember back to April, we were actually seeing mortgage rates start to rise at the right. start of the pandemic before they, they they came down to record lows where they're at now. So those record low interest rates, of course, quantitative easing, all all really leading to really strong sales. And then the really, really unique thing to this pandemic, uh, the way it's impacting the labor market. So if we look at uh, job growth by, by wage tier, um, higher wage paying jobs, high income jobs are actually up 6%. Since uh, you know, compared to pre-pandemic, so compared to February 2020, uh, high wage jobs are up six percent. Uh, other kind of mid middle wage and, and lower wage jobs are, are still down, you know, uh, eight to ten percent or so after being down like thirty percent. Uh, so this this recession has hit lower wage jobs, you know, service sector jobs so much harder than everything else. And that's really unusual. We went we went back and looked at uh, what normally happens, but in those wage tiers and recessions and you know, normally you get a pretty uniform impact on jobs, and actually the service sector doesn't get hit as hard. Like for a frontline service sector, because people still go to the, the coffee shop, they still, you know, go to the grocery store, they still they're still shopping. Uh, and this time it's just been so different. So a lot of the jobs that tend to support ownership housing haven't really been affected by this recession. So as a result, we've got people who are still employed, haven't had a hit to their income. Now they can get a five-year, you know, fixed rate at one point. Six percent, one point eight percent, and uh, and that's really driving demand. That's that's really interesting, and I feel like there's a, a lot to unpack uh, based on that answer. But just going back to kind of the 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 start of of the answer, where you know you guys came out with a forecast in April. Um, we've talked a lot about CMHC's forecast on on the podcast, and um, I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about. Um, how divergent your forecasts were and, and what you make of that divergence, like how, how you can come to kind of different, uh, different forecasts and, and where they, they got it wrong. And, and presumably looking at similar data. Exactly. Yeah. And so it really comes down to, to a couple of assumptions. We looked at this really closely too. Um, Cause obviously, you know, most of those forecast models aren't going to be that different and shouldn't be providing such divergent answers. So, you know, what we had was sort of, you know, a shock to unemployment, you know, causes uh, uh, listings to, to really accumulate and causes sales to fall, and that's going to impact prices, right, you know, uh, as things go. Um, if you look at their forecast, um, it gets reported in the media in kind of a weird way where they report it as sort of a peak to trough decline in prices. Um, if you look at, at the way most, most things, you know, kind of a year over year, so if you just average, you know, what they thought the price would be, at, you know, on average throughout 2020 compared to 2019, their forecast was actually that prices were going to be uh, flat to actually up 
4%. It's just that the peak to trough was like a nine to 18. If you, you know, cause we had this really kind of high peak. If you remember in, in a, this is for the BC price, but you know, same thing goes for Vancouver. We had a really high peak right, in March and that's what they were basing it off of. Um, so we had a pretty similar forecast at the start in that. I think we had prices up year over year in 2020, up about 2%. Um, and they were uh, kind of in that range where things really diverge, um, uh, is, is that they had no recovery, uh, until 2022 in their forecast. So things kind of just steadily, uh, prices steadily fell until the end of, of, uh, of 21 and then kind of flattened out in 2022 and, and then started to rise because they really put a lot of stock in, in things like a deferral cliff that hasn't really been a factor. And of course, they, you know, like you know, nobody really forecasted, um, that demand would, would spring back the way it has. But I think on their supply side of their model, they just had, you know, um, a, a pretty big shock to supply from, from the deferral cliff. And that was really going to weigh on prices. And, and they didn't, I don't think they thought that hard about how a pandemic affects listings. So they didn't really have, like we had a few in our models, we had some scenarios where, well, what if, what if supply actually goes down because, you know, people aren't going to be listing their homes and that's what happened. And I don't think the CMHC thought that, that hard about that, that side of it. Uh, so, and I think that's why they had, um, uh, prices down so much. So at this point in their forecast, I think they're about by now about one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars off where prices actually are for the province. Right. Um, you know, which we all make bad forecasts. Uh, I've certainly made bad forecasts, but I think theirs um, was there. There was a lot of bravado around their forecast, and they still haven't really updated it. And so there was a lot of. You know, there was a lot of stuff with that forecast. I think rubbed people in the industry the wrong way, especially as it was pretty clear that it was wrong. Um, but you know, the, you can kind of get to where they got with some some assumptions, but I just think those assumptions weren't weren't really very weren't very well thought out. How how connected is it directly to Evan Siddell's eagle? <laughs> 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 I don't kidding. want to get. I'm just I mean, no, don't I'm don't answer that. that. Say, I'm, I'm not on uh, Twitter because it's a it's a festival. It's a festival of insanity. Right. Uh, but I don't want to get attacked. <laughs> Quiet. Yeah, yeah, and we should edit that. What, what, <laughs> what one thing that that strikes me too is is you know you say that CMHC didn't think too hard about inventory and how a pandemic impacts inventory. Um, is and I don't. I, this, I'm asking this because I genuinely don't know. But was there certain assumptions about um, how the economy would perform? Like one thing that you've mentioned here is, you know, how unique uh, the situation is, where you know the higher wage jobs are actually are actually doing very well, right? This idea of the K-shaped economy, where the service sector is really getting crushed, um, does that factor into into kind of where they went wrong as well? Yeah, definitely. That, that that's fair. Um, the, you know, obviously you you wouldn't have expected, or maybe uh, maybe if you really thought about it, you you would have anticipated that um, higher wage jobs weren't going to be as affected. But generally, um, you know, things don't get that granular. So in general, in, in these models, you have like you know a shock to just the unemployment rate, not how it's composed. So yeah, I mean, if you thought if you didn't really think about how the labor market was going to react to the pandemic. Um, or, or those differences in, in wage tiers that would affect both, uh, you know, the forecast on the demand and the supply side. Obviously more, you know, more higher wage, uh, earners losing their jobs means that, you know, they're probably more likely to, to, to have to sell their home or, or in this case default because, 
you know, in that scenario, prices will probably fall in. You're more likely to default than just list your home, right? Um, so yeah, there's there's so many. Obviously, in a pandemic, it's very difficult to forecast, and that's why you can cut them a little slack. I think the the issues really in, in that they stuck to that forecast and kind of doubled down on it at a time when it was it was pretty obvious that uh, some of those trends I talked about were already already kind of emerging uh, and things were turning around and they were really still kind of sticking to their guns and that's when it's like well you know how much of this is model driven and how much of this is just philosophy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you find like so you know one of the things obviously we we hope to talk to you about today is uh is 2021 uh and potentially beyond and, and get into the Speaking of granular, kind of different areas and submarkets and and uh, property types and things like that. But do you find it more difficult right now to come up with a forecast and say a, a usual year, just based on on everything you've kind of outlined here? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think if you look at where our forecast started, where they went, and where they are now, we've been kind of chasing uh, chasing the number all year, which is not really where you, where you want to be. Um, it's definitely like this year, uh, for forecasters has been pretty wild because, uh, you know, not only are we seeing pretty extraordinary swings in, in, uh, in things like GDP growth, uh, that, you know, have, you know, as a side note, have just ruined our ability to chart things for like the next decade. Cause if, if, you, <laughs> if, you, throw up a, if you throw up a graph of, of GDP and it's got one number that's minus 40% or plus 40, and then like, well, was two percent growth. It's actually pretty good. It looks like a spec on the chart now. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a problem we have to deal with for like the next decade. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, generally, you know, forecasting uh, forecasting in a in, in a recession is always hard to pinpoint when things are going to turn around. Forecasting a recession with a pandemic on top of it, obviously, extraordinarily difficult. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um. Maybe kind of shifting gears a bit, can we talk like kind of about some of the sub-markets or sub-segments of the market? Um, thinking sp- specifically about the resilient segments of the market right now, like what in your opinion has been uh, one of the more resilient sub-markets? Um, and I, I guess we'll start geographically. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll start with product types because then it really kind of spreads geographically it's obviously uh, in a pandemic the pandemic's driving a real preference for single detached homes and for space so we're seeing that all around the province um people really want space and they're willing to pay a a real premium for it so that's one of the things driving the average price higher too is that there's a higher share of of more expensive single family homes in in the average price so it's a little skewed but there's you know people obviously if they're going to be working from home for an extended period they're going to want extra space for a home office you're not going to be able to see your family and friends indoors you know it's nice to have an outdoor space that you can do some socially distance entertaining so Really, in, in every market, um, we're seeing a real drive for for space, and that's you know, if you go to the Okanagan, we're, we're seeing that on the island especially, uh, and inventories of, of single detached homes is, is it was already pretty low because we're not obviously building a ton of that that type of home anymore, but um, and that's really going to shape the next year too. Is there's, there's not a lot of that uh, product, and a lot of people want it, and it's one of those like, how how deep is the scar on on, on the the psyche? Uh, of, of of buyers uh, over the next five years. I mean, do we have this it's sort of a behavioral economics thing? Um, you know, are people going to be anticipating another uh, a pandemic, and therefore, there's that that real desire for space is really going to drive drive uh, um, 
kind of sales preferences for a while or do we kind of get back to normal and and uh, and things things kind of uh, in that space settle down so that i mean that's really i think regardless of geography uh, that's kind of the big story is that kind of um, flight to, to to space and square footage do you think there's a fact because we we used to talk all the time on the program about this tale of two markets kind of the attached market and the detached market and it it feels like you know prior to um well actually i should say that the, the detached market started to feel like it was going on a real run prior to the pandemic. Um, at least things were kind of heating up. And it was also a market where we saw, um, you know, it was fairly soft uh, while the condo market was performing, right? Yeah. Uh, how yeah. much do you think, you know, it, it, this is also a combination of maybe detached, kind of the, the detached market was set to go on a run just from, from normal market pressures? Um, combined with uh, with COVID, yeah, that's an interesting point because the, the symbol detached was certainly pretty beaten up since about 2016 or so, um, and so yeah, in some ways it was kind of kind of due to to get some strength back, and and we did have um, uh, interest rates falling a bit through 2019 after they had been been uh, been higher in 2018 plus B20, so we had all of these kind of issues. And taxes piled on top of that that particular sector. So part of it, I think, was it just starting to rebound uh, for sure pre pandemic, and maybe this just was sort of rocket fuel for for a trend that was already uh, emerging. And then on the condo side, you know, um, in some ways, you know, in the, in the future, especially in Vancouver, like the condo sector is kind of the only the only game in town for most people from an affordability standpoint. And just like that's all we're really building, so it's all we have. Have space to build in, you know, for considering the amount of people that are going to be um, be be located in the Lower Mainland over the next ten to twenty years. So that sector is really interesting because there's tons of construction going on in the condo sector. It's really slow to complete. To complete, you know, it takes five years to get a, a new apartment uh, to the market, which is is too long. So there's that sort of issue where we got a lot of supply coming on board, but it's really uncertain when. Uh, and it's really delayed. Uh, we had the the uh, this year the the strata insurance issues that were I think holding back the market too. Looks like maybe those are starting to get resolved. So yeah, it's 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 interesting because obviously a lot of the demand is going to uh, from just demographics and from young people aging into their their prime home buying years is going to be really directed at condos. But maybe they have kind of a, a year or two of softness after this. So in thinking about. Um you know, that, that year or two of softness, I guess. I, I just going back to what's really been driving the driving force in 2020, which is that push for more space and, and, um, you know, outdoor space and the single family market being really strong. Like the idea of the, this, how deep the scar is, is, is an interesting one. And, and the, this kind of behavioral economic side of things. What is your take on that? It, it just, you know, I guess, um, uh, best guess doing what you do are, is that a, something that is going to continue through 2021 at least presumably uh, with the vaccine kind of being months out but do you, do you think that's kind of a three to five year kind of uh, factor influencing the market or or beyond or what are your thoughts yeah I think there's, there's probably two sides to it you know, one is I you know I think there will be still a push for people to want to uh, to own space I mean that that's this is going this is is a, a pretty deep wound on 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 the psyche and I think it's going to push some behavior but it, there is kind of a cap on on how much of a 
how much it can simply because there's just not that much supply and prices are already, you know, pretty, pretty stretched to, to, to close to peak on a lot of those uh, prices on single detached. So, you know, We'll see how much uh, how much people are willing to pay a, a premium for that for that space, and you know rates are going to be low for a long time, so maybe that's a little easier to to digest. Uh, and then on on the condo side, it's the same the same scarf. I mean, do you want to be sharing space in an elevator? Uh, do you want to be downtown? Uh, so a lot of the the same kind of issues, and it's really difficult to say when they're going to resolve. The issue is like. Demographics are, are pretty unrelenting, um, and land constraints are, are, are unrelenting. So we have to fit a lot more people, especially as immigration normalizes. We've got to fit a lot more people into a space that isn't zoned very well. Um, and, uh, and so it's a, a pretty limited space. Where else are people going to go rather than condos? So I think that, you know, eventually the, you know, the market for, for that, for condos is, is going to return. We, we wrote a whole piece about this as well. My colleague, uh, Kelly Fong wrote a piece about, how COVID-19 is impacting uh, immigration uh, into BC and into Vancouver and what that means for, for the condo market. Um, and, you know, we think it's a short-term, uh, kind of a short-term issue. Uh, eventually, you know, when immigration returns, uh, Airbnbs return, investors return, uh, I think we're going to have, that market's going to uh, kind of get back to normal. So just thinking about, um, you know, pain points in the market and, and uh, immigration and all the rest here. Can can we kind of delve into what 2021 looks like? Um, you know, by 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 property type and and by region. So I think uh, I mean my I've got sort of you know five big big points on on 2021. And you know, the first one is and it will kind of tie these into what it means for the, for the market around the province. But first, obviously, vaccines. Uh, we've, you know, we had our first, I think the first person in the world vaccinated in the UK today. So clearly that's going to have a huge impact on, uh, on just confidence and, and just in general, uh, you know, confidence in the market, confidence in, in the economy. Uh, as those roll out, I think the U.S. is slated to have something like 150 million people vaccinated in the first quarter. You know, things go really well. So we're going to we're going to get back to normal, I think, a little faster uh, than, than people are currently expecting. Uh, so there's that. There's a, a rationality returning uh, to the global economy, and especially to to global trade, and an endless uh, uh, and, and to, to needless trade wars. Let you, you fill in the blanks on why that rationality is returning. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so that's the second one. Um, thirdly, we're going to have, I think, uh, a consumption boom in 2021. There's currently about 75 billion dollars. Of savings uh, over and above normal, sitting in, in personal deposits at banks. Uh, the savings rate of Canadians has exploded during the pandemic uh, because of you know, precautionary savings, spending that's not happening. All that money, I think, is going to be flooding back into the economy next year. Uh, then we have you know major project projects resuming. Those projects added two uh, percent growth to GDP in 2019. So of the two point was a two point seven percent growth in 2019. Uh, nearly two thirds of that was just from major projects. Those are were kind of tools down this year and are, are ramping up again. Uh, and then we have immigration coming back. So all of those things uh, mean that we're going to have really strong demand and a lot of spending going on in the economy next year. Probably an economy growing at four percent plus, uh, and that's really going to mean uh, a strong demand all across the province. We're expecting sales for for BC to be probably above 100,000 sales for the first time since 2016. 
Um, a lot of that, so like the North, I think is going to be really strong uh, uh, because of all the, the major project spending happening, all the employment happening. Uh, so I, I'd watch for, for the North to, to really bounce back. Um, I think some of the what what the pandemic has done as well is accelerate retirement plans. So I think we're going to continue to see strong migration to the island and the Okanagan. That's that's going to drive sales in, in those spots. Uh, and then you have, you know, Vancouver is is sort of, you know, obviously the the hub of economic activity in, in BC. And so as the economy is growing at four to you know four to five percent, throw in extraordinary low interest rates. I think we're going to have a very strong year all across the Lower Mainland too. And you look what happened. What's happening in Fraser Valley right now, kind of as a almost like a, a substitute for 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 Vancouver single detached. I think a lot of uh, you get you know, slightly more affordable in places in the Fraser Valley, and we're seeing huge, uh, huge uh, sales growth towards the end of this year uh, all across the Fraser Valley too. So, and that's a region that's already growing incredibly because of places like Surrey, you know, mm-hmm. just demographic wise. So I think that's, that's kind of the story. I think every, every part of the province is going to see uh, really strong sales next year. And it's going to be driven by you know, people have a lot of money to spend. A lot of that's going to find its way into, into down payments. We've got uh, low, low mortgage rates, record low mortgage rates, Probably over for the next year, maybe they a little upward pressure if the bank uh, start Bank of Canada starts easing up on its on its quantitative easing program, uh, slowing the, their bond purchases. But other than that, I mean, there's not a whole lot. There's a lot of tailwind and not a lot of headwinds. I think for 2021. Interesting. We we've uh, we had earlier on this year we had John Barry, uh, New York Times bestseller, on the program talking about the Spanish flu and how, in his opinion, it led to the the roaring twenties and we've been talking, there's a feeling of like the roaring 2020s, um, which is, feels like we're on the, and and that really coincides with what we're feeling and what we're thinking as well Is it, it just feels like there's a lot of pent up demand right now for sure. Yeah. And pent up demand almost just to get out and spend money. Well, yeah. And I mean, I I think that's, that's, that's accurate, right? There's a, and I feel also like there's, and we've talked about this before. It's hard to kind of, talk about this in any, any kind of meaningful way other than the fact that people f- want to get things done like they want to they they haven't been they it's like everyone's been hang collectively handcuffed here and, yeah. and now they want to get back to real life right and and real life often involves investing in 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 real estate or or buying a home or, or moving up the ladder or, or whatever right so that's that's interesting so in thinking kind of maybe like you talked about a lot of regions there and maybe it's worth kind of uh, talking about maybe one of your favorite kind of regions that you're kind of monitoring or where you think there could be potential for really explosive growth over the next uh, and, one to three And property years. type. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think over the next, over the next, you know, it depends on the next year, I think everything's going to do pretty well and, and, and tilted towards single detached and, and tilted towards, you know, places where uh, where there's a lot of population growth, a lot of economic activity. So it's generally the lower mainland. I think long, long term, I mean, I think Surrey is still, uh, an incredible um, story because it's it's going to keep growing and eventually be the same size or or larger than the city of Vancouver and it's a huge place and you can still build a lot there so I, I think generally that that's going to be a huge story just over the next decade um, is is the growth of of, of Surrey and and its sort of continued kind of prominence in uh, in the in the province um, other places I think same kind of like it's a lot of it is, is demographic so the longer the kind of longer out we go it's all pretty much everything is shaped by demographics and there's there's two main trends one is is millennials aging into their their home buying years and it's a huge huge cohort and if you you kind of look at 
um, demographics. You see this huge wave uh, in the next five to 10 years, especially in the lower mainland of, of young people uh, aging into their, their, their prime home buying and kind of prime uh, uh, earning years as well uh, in terms of their careers. And so where are those people going to go to buy? You know, some of them are, of course, going to be able to get some of that internet intergenerational wealth uh, uh, transfers. So maybe they can afford um, you know, more expensive areas. But you know, mostly when we look at, at that demographic um, kind of boom in the next five to 10 years, most of them are probably going to end up in, in condos, I, I would guess. And especially if they're just starting off, they're going to be in more affordable areas. So that's kind of generally, I think, where there's going to be a lot of pressure. Uh, fortunately, I think a lot of supply coming in those places as well. Uh, and then the other kind of side on the demographics is, is retirees. So where where are Canadian and where are BC retirees going to go? And that generally means um, Bank of Ireland and the Okanagan. We've seen kind of more into, into other parts of the interior as well. Um, but when we look at Bank of Ireland, they're at about 20-year lows uh, for inventory. So we look at, at their level of listings, uh, which means uh, there's going to be just huge price pressure uh, in that part of the market. So anything, any recreational property, anything on acreage um, in on Vancouver Island, kind of outside of Victoria, I think is going to be facing some really strong upper price pressure. Uh, same thing in the Okanagan to maybe a lesser extent. They have extraordinarily low uh, uh, levels of inventory as well. And then in the north where I mean, kind of, I think we're going to have a real economic boom across the north Um um, maybe, you know, outside of places like the, kind of the hub, like Prince George, I think it's where a lot of that activity is going to take place, but it's really going to benefit all of the North. And unfortunately, that's another place that has no supply. So that's kind of the big issue over the next five years. We have, we have a lot of demographic pressure from a lot of different angles um, and not a lot of supply to meet it, especially in, in areas outside of the lower mainland that haven't seen uh, the level of construction that say that say Vancouver has. Um, so I think that if we're looking at where price is going to going to rise the most, that would be kind of my my first shot at an answer is the places where we're just not seeing a lot of supply and they're headed towards um, some some real demographic uh, kind of driven demand challenges. And anything you wouldn't buy? <laughs> and I wouldn't buy. Oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, a, a mobile home in Fort Nelson? <laughs> oh, I wish I... Uh, I just Damn removed it. subjects on one. That, that, that's the type of question, like, what What kind of answer can I give that would get me in trouble somehow? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe something we've been talking a lot about on the show, um, you know, you've mentioned a lot of areas there. Um, the, one of the, and maybe not so surprising, softer areas of the market has been downtown Vancouver over the last, the last year. What are your thoughts on, on downtown and, uh, and what the next six to 18 months looks like there? Yeah, I certainly, I haven't, I mean, I, I work downtown, but I haven't spent much time downtown in the past eight months or so. So it, uh, I haven't had. I understand parts of it aren't aren't looking great these days. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, when I talked about millennials, and, and one of my my favorite quotes um, or, or ideas over the past couple of years is, is the idea of advice to young people uh, to uh, to get get credentialed and get to a city. So you know, get a get a university degree and get get to a large city as, as fast as you can because that's where the opportunities and that that's where the the money is. Um, you know, I think that's still, I think that's still uh, uh, um, important. I think that most young people want to be in a city and want want to be, you know, around 
you know, restaurants and coffee shops and places they can hang out with their, their friends, um, especially if they're living in a small, a small condo. So even if, if downtown's having some struggles now, I would hope those are going to be short term. I think this is enough. You know, again, once we get back to normal, I think this is enough that people want to be in cities and people are going to want to be downtown. Vancouver is a really cool place and a really incredible, you know, place, especially to spend your, your youth. And, and we've got going to have all this pressure from, from millennials uh, needing, you know, forming households for the first time. So I, I think it'll bounce back, whatever troubles it's having now. I think uh, it's, it's a short term uh, story. You know, thinking about, um, and, and I mean, it's a pretty positive 2021 by the sounds of things here. Um, but for, for those listeners who, uh, you know, we have a lot of information heavy, uh, listeners out there that are, that are really love the data, love, uh, you know, hearing experts like yourself talk about it. What, if you were saying like indicators to watch, uh, in, you know, in early 2021 into the spring, um, like what, what are the, the key indicators you're looking at, uh, in analyzing markets? Yeah. So things to watch, I think, you know, I'm going to do some self-promotion at first. We have, we have what we call our, our now cast of the BC economy. So, you know, one of the best ways to track what's going on is, is close to real time in, in the economy. And I think our, our now cast indicator, it sort of tells you how, how the economy is growing, uh, by month. You know, GDP data for, for provinces is only released annually and it takes about a year. So like we just found out how fast the, the economy grew in, in 2019, about a month ago. Um, so we have this kind of a real time indicator on how the economy is doing and you can kind of follow that. We should see that it's still in negative territory right now. Like it's a year-over-year indicator, um, but we should see that into positive territory next year, and that'll be a pretty good sign that our overall kind of thesis about 2021 being a really strong year uh, is is right. Um, so that that's one thing we would track. I mean, the other things that we we look at, of course, um, the most important thing uh, for home for home prices in our analysis and when we're modeling things is is the uh, sales to active listings ratio or to month inventory. So that's that's a, you know super strongly correlated with, uh, with price growth. Uh, as long as we're seeing listings, you know, still, uh, pretty low and, and pretty high level of demand, the market's going to be really tight. And that, that means prices are, are going to be rising kind of, you know, inflation plus a few percent. So those are kind of the big ones. I mean, the, the, the now cast is kind of our, our, our really in our indicator of how the economy is doing. We also have a reopening dashboard that tracks a whole bunch of indicators, uh, so you can kind of look at those different sectors of the economy and see how things are getting or how things are evolving compared to where they were pre-pandemic. That would be a pretty good sign too that the economy is normalizing when we start to see some some positive trends there. Um, you know, other things are just general general things we you know we look at for the economy: job growth, unemployment rates, interest rates. For me, I think uh, overall, of the last ten years, if we look back at at Vancouver, especially um, sales and prices, but especially prices. And just kind of catalog the number of shocks that have hit this market and how resilient it's been. We had a financial crisis. Uh, we had several rounds of, of credit tightening from the CMHC or mortgage kind of regulation tightening, including you know, B20, which was enormous. Um, we had uh, several different uh, uh, taxes uh, thrown at thrown at the, the market, the foreign buyers tax, the speculation vacancy tax, the empty homes tax, the school tax. Uh, and now we have a global pandemic and prices and sales just keep going higher. So this is an extraordinarily resilient market. Uh, the one thing that I think is, has, has proven to be able to put 
you know, any kind of a lasting dent in the market are, are interest rates. So if we looked at what happened at the start of 2018, when, when rates looked like they were normalizing, the Bank of Canada was raising rates, uh, the five-year fixed rate was, was I think, approaching um, approaching 4% at the time. Uh, and then we had B20 on top of that. So you had to qualify it close to 6 That's when we saw markets really, really affected. So for me, as long as we're going to have really low interest rates, we're going to have a really strong housing market. So, I mean, I think that's, that's been the lesson for me of the past decade is not a lot matters to the Vancouver housing market except interest rates. Yeah, that's a great, great take. We were just talking about that actually before we, <laughs> we came on air here. And I, I think that's, it, it's weird. We're, you know, I think more so, and I think this is maybe uh, across the board when you talk about um, expensive markets around the world, but we're very much a payment market. People calculate their payments to exist um, and, and think less maybe about prices in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah very. And that's, you know, with, with a lot of things. And that's just, you know, that's why sort of debt service ratios or, or carrying costs uh, to, to kind of income are much better uh, measures of, of affordability in, in markets are much more predictive than things like price to income ratios, price to rent that are, are just don't have a very good predictive track record. Uh, I think, you know, generally in, in markets like Vancouver, yeah, it, it, to me, uh, when we do our analysis, that interest rate channel is so powerful uh, that that's really the one thing that can really, uh, really drive markets uh, up or down. Right. So it sounds like we should get rid of this uh, Metro Vancouver Housing Collapse Facebook group. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, don't, we don't want you to comment don't, don't, on it. No don't, comment. No comment. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that I, I don't think we've touched on, I don't know if you guys have this in your, your forecasting, but um, appreciation over 2021 by property type and, and potentially by areas uh, or even just, you know, the, the greater Vancouver uh, area. Do you guys have forecasting on that? Yeah, we do. So twice a year, we, we publish a, a big forecast by a region and by product product type. Uh, we just published that in November. So we do each real estate board by uh, single detached uh, apartments and, and townhouses. Um, it would be amazing if I knew every one of those numbers off the top of my head, but yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I think in general, our, our thesis is still um, single detached and a little stronger than, than apartments. Fair enough. Last question for you. And then we have, we, if you have, uh, time, we have a, uh, kind of a quick, uh, some would say fun segment called the five wire, but just as a, as a final, uh, as a final question, maybe if you had, you know, the borrowing, uh, ability of say two, two and a half million bucks, where and what would you buy in BC in, in, uh, in 2021? Yeah, I mean, it's such a personal, and not that personal to me, but like I think all of these choices are kind of kind of personal. So like when we when you know we bought our house in in Pitt Meadows, the things we were looking for at the time were, you know, we've got you know we had a small, small family at the time, we were small small kids anyway, uh, and we just want you know a basement. I wanted a gym, we wanted a yard, we wanted a place for a basketball hoop. So like you had to get those places at the time in Pitt Meadows. That was a pretty. Uh, a pretty uh, a lot easier to swing than anywhere else in Vancouver, um, but you know what you're you're really going to have to you know it depends on what you're what you need it for right like if you if you've got a small family and and uh, and you want space then you're probably going to be looking outside the Lower Mainland although if you have two and a half million dollars your your choices are are, are a lot wider um, you know but in general yeah it kind of depends on what you need I'm a big kind of proponent of you know 
by you know what you need and not a lot more of what you don't need. So yeah, I would if it were me, I'd probably buy the house I'm in and and uh, and not not borrow the extra million dollars or so. <laughs> <laughs> so but that that's uh, me personally. And 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 I I don't know if you invest in real estate, but as a straight investment, do you have an answer on that front, or is that something you just don't don't dabble in? Yeah, I I I have uh, you know as far as portfolio diversification. You know, I own a home and I work in real estate, so I don't. <laughs> I don't then also. Invest, I don't want to be so heavily weighted towards real estate. I guess. Right. Um, not that. Not that. That's a. Uh, uh, you know, if you're if you're up for it, I also am kind of lazy and I don't want to have to deal with like tenants or anything like that. And I'm not handy either, so it's not like I could come over and fix a sink. So like, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not really investing in real estate. I think the big. If you're looking long term. I think you know the biggest thing again is those those demographic drivers because you can't you can't fight demographics. So in places like Surrey, which I think is going to obviously have a huge population boom, um, you know it's going to be a lot of young people. So looking at where they're going to be buying, I think that that's probably uh, where I would look. Or or kind of you know uh, land. I mean, just where where can you get land or single detached homes in places where there's not a big supply of it? And that probably means Vancouver Island or the Okanagan, which are also going to have uh, some real population drivers as as retirement uh, kicks up, and and the Okanagan has kind of a uh, both where they've got retirees and a really young population in the next five years. So, you know, I would just look at demographics and and where people are migrating to, and and where there's not a lot of supply, and wherever you find not a lot of supply and a lot of uh, of uh, demographic drivers of demand, you're going to find rising prices. Well, maybe we'll leave it there. But do you have a do you have a couple minutes here, Brendan, for the five wire? You bet. Okay, great. So question number one is, what is your favorite neighborhood in Vancouver? My favorite? Um, I I wish I spent more time there. My my sister lives in the in the West End, and, and I always find it great to visit there and, and just being able to walk around uh, is, is fantastic. It's just such a such a nice uh, nice area, kind of off off Davies, and just uh, yeah, I just I like I like that neighborhood a lot. Maybe because my sister lives there, but um, uh, I, yeah, that, that's one of my favorites. And then. I just have to give a shout out to my my own neighborhood because it's very quiet and that's what I like. <laughs> All right, nice. Favorite bar or restaurant? It doesn't necessarily have to be in the city of Vancouver, uh, greater Vancouver area. My favorite restaurant in in Vancouver is um, is Nightingale. I think it's uh, I don't know if you've been there. It's uh, I think it's a Hawksworth yeah. restaurant, but it's just the as someone who doesn't eat enough vegetables. They do vegetables so well that you can almost skip uh, the proteins, which I would never, I would never do. I love protein, <laughs> um, but their vegetables are incredible. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a personal favorite as well. Uh, what is one book that you'd recommend to anyone listening? Wow, that's a great question. One book, um, man, I'm probably expected to say something to do with economics. So I'm gonna give you, <laughs> I'm give you. Two, my economics one is uh, is Jordy Galley, Monetary Policy, Inflation, and the Business Cycle. Now that that's a page turner for for your listeners. To go <laughs> Tons of equations, but it's probably the best the best textbook I find on on New Keynesian uh, economics and macro modeling. Uh, the second one, though, I would probably go with um, I'd go with uh, maybe Christopher Hitchens' Letters to a Young Contrarian. I think it's great. Uh, I think it's a great book to read when you're young. I think that yeah, that would be my 
I've got, I'm staring at a lot of books in my office. Right. Uh, and so I'm overwhelmed. But I think those are, those are solid choices. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't say this about a lot of authors, but man, I really miss Christopher Hitchens. Uh, yeah. I, I love, yeah. I love was, that uh, guy. My, uh, one of my favorites. And yeah, his, I uh, certainly would love to, to read some of his writings on oh, the past, the past eight years. No <laughs> so. kidding. eh? I, the last, the, <laughs> I can't even imagine the insults he could have, he could have written in the last four years, especially would have been, would have been great. But, <laughs> uh, one piece of advice you would give your 18 year old self. Ooh. Um, relax, I think. <laughs> it's a very uptight 18 year old. I mean, just, you know, just relax. Things are going to be okay. Um, and last question is what is something that you've bought in the last year or two for under a thousand dollars that's had an impact on your life? Oh boy. Uh, we just bought an air fryer. This might be recency bias because <laughs> oh. I got it last week. But that thing's fantastic. We've, I feel like we've had that before, haven't we? Yeah. 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 Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a it's good one. Great. It's, I mean, it's obviously, it, even though it's supposed to be a healthy alternative to fried food and who doesn't love fried food, it still pushes you towards some pretty unhealthy choices. Yeah. So yeah. You, you can you can cook uh, vegetables in it, which, which I've done. And it's great. I've had chicken fingers for the last six months. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. No, it, it's, it's a great one for sure. Awesome. So, uh, Brendan, how can people find out more about what BCREA is is up to, and uh, more about your writing and your projections and and all of that? Yeah, it's all in, in one one place. If you go to bcrea.bc.ca, uh, if you go to our economics page, we've got a ton of things uh, to read. Uh, you can sign up uh, uh, to have uh, our stuff delivered to your to your inbox. We do. Uh, Every time there's an economic indica- indicator come out, my, my colleague Roy writes an incredibly thorough uh, email and sends it out to our subscribers, and, and, uh, and that's really useful. And, and uh, we've got our forecast and our nowcast and our reopening dashboard, and we write market intelligence about things like how COVID's going to impact, impact the housing market. So uh, I, would, uh, I would suggest going there and signing up, and we'll, we'll try and get you some useful stuff into your inbox. Right on. Well, thanks so much for your time, Brendan. That was, that was great, and hopefully we can have you back. Awesome. I'd love, love to come back. It was really fun. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Brendan Ogmanson, Chief Economist at the BCREA. Matt, I love this conversation with Brendan. And you know what? You and I uh, have been talking about, like, we, we both love real estate investing and surprise, we love real estate. But I mean, when you look at the rates right now. And when you look at the opportunities, not only in the lower mainland, but right across BC, BC, and then you have a conversation with someone like Brandon. And, you know, we've been talking to a lot of people in the market right now. Brandon does a great job of kind of crystallizing how I think a lot of people are feeling right now. There's some serious opportunities, I think, in the province right now and super exciting. Um, It's an exciting time to build equity. And with rates like this, how do you ignore the rates? Well, yeah, two things, right? It's what a seventy to seventy-five cents of every dollar uh, is is building equity, right? Right yeah. now, which is just incredible. So you're you're building equity so quickly. There's markets, say like downtown, where you're catching what appears to be uh, an upward trend with the uh, the vacancy rate going down again, the vaccine coming, a lot of exciting things, but. But more to just from an academic kind of standpoint here, like we've been doing this podcast since 
since before the foreign buyers tax. But I remember the foreign buyers tax. Oh my God, what right. are, what's going to happen? I remember the empty homes tax. Oh my God, what's going to happen? The stress test. Oh my God, what's going to happen? And this was really uh, this this crystallized for me looking back since we've really at least on the show been looking at what really how resilient Vancouver is and what really impacts this market. And I think it's very it's a very compelling case to make that it's really interest rates are the only thing that can that can put this market on its uh you know on its heels. Make, yeah on its heels make yeah. its knees a little wobbly. So with those not going up anytime soon, it looks like we're going to see a busy 2021. Yeah, Matt, and uh, if you want to have like if you just really want to see how impactful the rates are, like just sit down and play with a mortgage calculator. Type in, you know, $500,000 and look how much you actually pay down over the course of 5 years in principal, right? Like it's just incredible right now. Like there's a real opportunity as long as you can keep it rented or as long as, or or your home. And another thing that you should do right now is consider refinancing if you haven't already done so. So many people, so many clients of ours, we've obviously, we've reached out to a lot of our clients just, you know, checking in and seeing if there's an opportunity to refinance. And even with your penalty, if you have a penalty, even if you have a really high penalty, there's still an opportunity here to potentially save a ton of money. Some people are saving an astronomical money amount of money right now by refinancing. So look into that as well. Check out what your current rate is. Check out what the bank will give you. So if you want to stay with the same bank and if the penalty is too high, consider a blend and extend option. Uh, there's lots of options for you, but get in touch with your mortgage broker or get in touch with your bank because... Uh, this is just, I mean, it is. It's, it's, We're it's in unprecedented an, times. It's, these are historical rates, people. They're yeah, historical, historical rates. rates. That, that, that is for sure. Uh, last but not least before we go, Adam, Zolo. Yeah. There's a, there's a little site. Some of you may know Zolo.ca. Right. Uh, we just found out they wrote uh, a fairly long article about all sorts of real estate podcasts. Yeah, twenty top twenty seven top twenty seven real estate. No, not it was it was across top, the board. Top twenty seven podcasts. They had different categories, but uh, no, but they did have a section uh, top seven podcasts in Canada. And uh, Feather and RCAP, uh, we were number one. I, I, you know what? It's it's an honor, and uh, I I think that was actually a pretty good list. It's an honor and a privilege. Of, uh, yeah, but we're. Uh, We've been number one on a few lists, a uh, few podcast lists, but this one actually it feels it feels quite special. It's a it's a local brokerage, it's a local site, and uh, they're saying that we're the best in Canada. So we really appreciate it. Uh, thank you all this for all the support of the VRAP community, and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to a, a, an incredible 2021. I, we have some of the best guests coming. Uh, I think this is going to be the best year yet. Absolutely. Looking forward to 2021. If you're out there and you're excited about 2021, you're interested in selling, buying, anything to do Vancouver real estate, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com is your ultimate resource. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Sign up to the Live Wire. That's our weekly mailer. We just sent out the stats. We send out stats before anyone else. Yeah, we we do. And we get the stats where we got sales ratios on each sub-market. Very, very useful for monitoring specific markets. Uh, we have the deal of the month. We have all things real estate with the live wire. We also have private client services. Yeah, Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information at your fingertips. It's free. It's the best way to search for real estate. We know we've used all the resources out there. And this is the one we've settled on because really PCS is just 
the best. It is. It's the best. So if you're thinking about buying or selling, PCS is a great resource. You know what else is? The Sellers Club. We got the new volume coming out so your house hasn't sold. For that or anything else, real estate related or not, give me a call, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Yeah, Matt. And before I give my contact here, I'm just going to say, you know, even if you're not looking to invest in the Vancouver market or in the greater Vancouver area, um, but you are looking to invest in real estate right now, feel free to reach out because we've been looking at a lot of opportunities right across the province and there are some great cash flow opportunities. So feel free to get in touch. Uh, we have great people all over the province that we can put you in touch with. There's a real benefit to being the number one podcast in Canada. You meet a lot of people. You meet a lot of smart, good people. <laughs> uh, 778-866-4574 or adam at com. And we also got that secret line, info at com. Have a great week, guys. Have a great start to your new year, and 2021 is going to be the best one yet. Absolutely. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. <laughs>